Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Hey, good to see each of you this morning and welcome. I've been walking through a series um, of basically our purpose statements um, breaking them down. We, we've only gone into two of them. We, we started with no God, then we went to find freedom. And today, um, we have a beautiful, beautiful couple that is going to walk up here bravely and share with you how they found freedom. And I love them individually. I love them together. I love their family. I love those children. Uh, I've kind of adopted them as mine, and I'll fight for them. And, uh, but I love them. And I want you to listen to the scripture, one of them that we've been talking about. For it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. For what freedom? Yes, we were free at the cross. If you're sitting here this morning and been redeemed, born again, you've been set free. Now you got to walk in it. And you're going to hear today what walking in it looks like. Okay? from a real live, touch me, pinch me, scream family in our church. Mark, Heather, come. Cheers. Y'all welcome them. That was smooth. That was pretty smooth, wasn't it? Sorry. I know, I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah, here we are, your children's pastor. It's funny, I, I always tell Jeff this. Is, every time I get up here, I feel like I need to introduce myself to everybody again and introduce Heather because a lot of times y'all don't see us. We're, I'm back in the back with the kids, and if you don't have kids in my area, a lot of times I probably don't even know who you are, right? I remember for like the first couple of years of us being here, um, we'd have people come up to us during like the uh, invitation time and like, Hey, welcome to our church. Welcome to our church. It's so nice to meet you. I'm like, I'm the children's pastor. Nice to meet you too. You know, it's been kind of fun, you know. Um, this past Friday, my wife, Heather, and I, we celebrated 17 years of marriage together. Yeah, we made it so far. Wait, we haven't made it yet, but we're still getting there, right? Yeah. Um, and... You know, our story, if you'd have told me, I mean, even 15, 16 years ago that we would have ever seen 17, I would have kind of laughed at you, you know, I would have laughed at you. But we want to share our story today because we believe that there's power in story. We believe that, I mean, our, your story has unlimited potential to reach those around you. Especially when you see what God can do uh, in you, you know, through you. Um, and sometimes at our worst moments, I love what Paxton said earlier, you know, 
he leaves the 99 to find the one. And what's amazing is I was the one that, that he, he came to find in this story. And so we just want to share with you all our story, hoping that there's something that you can see that we've gone through that can help you with what maybe you're going through right now or maybe you've gone through before. Maybe you have a story that needs to be shared. We don't know. And, and, and I believe that, man, if, if God has done anything in your life, why keep quiet about it? It's funny. Heather and I have been knowing we need to share this story for, for probably a couple of years now and just kind of waiting for the right timing to share our story. And, uh, and then Pastor Jeff came to us about a month ago. He came, he, he knows how to get to me. He just sits me down at Cane's because I love Cane's. And he's like, hey, man, let's feed you. And I'm like, great. What's up, man? He's like, where are you at in sharing your story? And I'm like, oh, man, you had to go there, huh? All right. I thought this was going to be a fun meeting, you know? Um, I said, you know what's funny about that is God is preparing us. You know, you never want to see people at their worst, right? I, mean, you, I don't never want you guys to see me at my worst, but today I'm just going to be vulnerable with you and share with you when I was at my worst, okay? Um, but I want Heather's, as we were preparing for this, Heather had this amazing vision um, that, that I, I, as we, she shared it with me, I'm like, you've got to share this. So, Heather, I'm going to let you sh share that, that part of it, okay? You know, really, there's people in this room in a crowd this size. Um, There's a lot of people. And guys, I, just, I really want to say something really quick. Who's grateful that Paxton listened to Jesus? I mean, where would we be without this worship on Sunday? Come on, seriously. You know, Mark and I have somebody very, very close to us in our life who's on a revolving door of prison over drug addiction. And it's just absolutely devastating. I mean, he's just... Man, that enemy has just beat him up. And when I hear Paxton get up and say, I was a drug addict, and you're standing up here leaving praise and worship to all these people, that gives me hope. And so I beg you whenever, that there, you guys have stories, and your story may be that I've been in love with Jesus my whole life, and I love that. And you may have a gruesome story like we do. Sorry, this is nasty. The details are nasty. Um, and I pray that, Guys, if you have a story, I pray you share it, because when we went through this, we had nobody, <laughs> not one person in church, um, nobody told us, I've been where you are, and I can be where you're going, you know, or I can take you where you're going. Let me take you by the hand, and let me show you Jesus, because that's, I'm a terrible counselor. I told Pastor Melissa this the other day, I have mercy down. I can sit in the seat with you at a table and I can ball my eyes out because of the pain you're going through and I'm I can do that but I'm a terrible counselor because I'm gonna grab you by the hand and I'm gonna say listen I can't fix it but I know who can here's Jesus let's walk to Jesus um I'm on the other side I've been where I didn't know how I was gonna breathe I, I I've been where I was begging God to take my life I've been I've been where I didn't think I could do another day I've been there and yet, here we are on the other side, and God has redeemed everything. And I, and I want a disclaimer, something I told Pastor and Melissa the other day. Um, I'm, I'm hyper aware that not everybody has a I'm still married story. 
I'm hyper aware that some of you have just gone through devastating divorces or have not yet found your person or um, whatever that might be. I'm hyper aware that some of your stories are great loss. I'm hyper aware that some of it is a yearning for a child that you've wanted so many years and you can't have. I'm hyper aware of that. And so when we tell you our story, we tell you our story to tell you this is where we were, this is where we are now. And even if your story is completely different, Redemption is going to look totally different for you than it is for me, but I can promise you it's exactly the same. It's in need of a savior. So um, when when Mark came and said, Pastor wants us to talk, and um, you guys, kids are so much easier than you are because y'all sit there like this. <laughs> and back when I taught exactly, the kids, <laughs> exactly. I'm back like, when I taught the kids, I actually had to get a beach ball, and and I had to throw the beach ball at the kid that wanted to talk. I'm like, if you don't have the ball, be quiet. Like that's what I had to do. <laughs> you guys aren't going to interact with me, so it's kind of hard. <laughs> it's kind of hard. And so, um, you know, there's that. Um, so I sat down and I was like, God, tell me my story. Pastor wants us to tell our story. Tell me my story. And we're, gonna, we're actually telling you five minutes of it. I can't tell you how much, I could talk to you for three days about just the last six months. Um, it's crazy what he just continues to do. And so I sat down and I was like, God, tell me my story. What is this? And I get this picture in my head of a jail cell, an open door jail cell, okay? And I see this, this I see Mark inside and I'm like, the door's open, what are you doing, you know? And I can remember, whenever we went through it, we did, and I was like, Mark, I forget, what are you doing in the jail cell, the doors, and Carter, what would you call a, a person? They, they came in, not, I'm not talking about like a New Testament story where he stayed in there, and he was like, listen, jailer, we're not leaving, we're here, I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about, hey, uh, your ransom's been paid, you're out, you are free, record's clear, record's clear, you guys. Did y'all hear that? Record is clear. Carter, what would you call somebody who decided to sit on that nasty toilet in there still? The door is open, and there's a party going on out here, and he chooses to sit in there. What would you call that person? Preposter. Preposter, it's crazy. I mean, guys, I, I, I was gonna tell Carter to keep it clean, because um, you know I don't know how many kids are allowed to say like stupid, but that's like, come on, what are you doing in there? Come out, because you know, crazy, you're crazy. Well, instantly my mind panned over to, to, instead of me, imagine Jesus standing outside your door cell going, or your jail cell going, the door is open. I did this for you. And if you don't know Jesus did it for you, oh, turn on the passion of the Christ. Look at the scene of him on the cross. He did it for you. There's no more. You're not in there anymore. The door is open. At the most, the door is shut, but it's not locked. I mean, some of our stories are pretty gross and they look locked, but they're not locked. The door's unlocked. And so this, this scene in my head, I really feel like so many of us are there. And quite frankly, it doesn't matter if you're the wounded or the wounder. Life can put us there on either side of that. It doesn't matter if you're the hurt or you're the hurter. It doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter. We find ourselves in there, and we won't come out, even though Jesus unlocked the door. Yeah, I mean, that's <clears throat> it's such a great picture, really, of what it was like to sit in there. 
Um, Because that was me. (laughs) I was that prisoner. I was the one who, um, for those of y'all, I'll just tell you, um, we were about a year and a half into our marriage, and uh, I ended up having an affair. And it was the worst mistake I'd ever made in my life. It was painful. It was, I could not believe I'd hurt those around me, especially Heather. I mean, most importantly, Heather, but, but even the father. I, guys, I, I've chased after God my whole life. And for me to do something like I did, I felt like a complete failure. I felt like, wow, I mean, and, and if you knew the rest of my background, I mean, I grew up thinking that I had to be perfect for Jesus to love me. I had to be perfect. I couldn't make, I had to earn my salvation, basically. And um, so whenever I went through this and whenever I made the mistake that I made, oh, man, I literally, I sat in that jail cell and I could not look people in the eyes. I could not, I I was numb to the world. I, I felt unlovable, unforgivable. You, you want to talk about walking in guilt and shame? Um, guys, I couldn't look at you in the eyes. And I'm reminded of a verse that, that let me kind of back up a little bit. In John chapter 8, uh, verse 34 says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But I could not grasp that. I was, God, how could, I failed you, God. You said I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loved the church, and I failed you. I failed I come from a family who my parents, both of my parents have been married and divorced. Uh, they're both on their fourth marriages right now. And so I grew up thinking, that will never happen to me. Never. And yet here I was. And what was unbelievable was how God had prepared Heather's heart before it even happened. She knew something was wrong. God had put it in her and put forgiveness in her heart well, well before. And, and guys, for the first time in my life, you can understand, the only, my mom left whenever I was like four or five years old. So I never knew a mom's love. Um, never really had another like woman in my life who really stood up for other than my grandmother. Um, but, you know, very, didn't get to see her all that much. But for the first time in my life, and again, you got to understand, I grew up thinking I had to be perfect for people to love me. And here I was, I made the biggest mistake in my life. And here's Heather with arms open wide saying, I forgive you. I love you. And she said, I'll never forget. And we sat there and she says, because I, I told her, I said, listen, you can have everything. Just, I, I'm done with me, I'm done with all of it. And she said, Satan can't have my man and Satan can't have my marriage. 
And for the first time in my life, someone stood up for me whenever I'd failed and showed me a, a love that I could not even imagine. And I had a buddy call me up, and he, he, uh, he, he just asked me, he said, so I just need to know if it's true or not. And I'm like, uh, yeah, man, it's true. And he said, uh, so where are you going to church? I said, dude, I ain't going to church. How could God love me? How could he, how? I failed him so much. I was in a place where I was helping a youth group and I was doing this. How could God love someone like me? And he said, I want to see you at church this weekend. And I'm like, okay. And so I went. And again, that guilt and shame, I felt defeated. I felt, I mean, it was horrible. I couldn't look you in the eyes. And the pastor, he had talked to the pastor. And the pastor said, son, this is after church. He said, son, look at me. And I sat there and I just kind of quick glanced. And then I put my head back down. He said, I said, get your head on your shoulders and look at me in the face. And I looked at him in the eyes and he said, Jesus says, I still love you. And guys, I, I melted right there. And I, I broke down. I broke down. I, it was almost like I, he just picked me up and gave me a big bear hug. And through that, it was like, okay, maybe there is hope. Maybe there is hope for someone like me. And so then we moved, we, we moved to Florida to help start a church out there and, and, and get, get going. And uh, again, Heather said, I mean, I'm, I'm just giving you highlights of this story because there's so much that happened in between. But there was times that I can vividly remember seeing God reach down and talk to me and like, Mark, try to get my attention. I still love you. And this time we, we, moved in, we moved to Florida, and man, everything was great. I was gung-ho, let's do this, let's do this. You know, we get there, and man, it was a complete failure. We fell flat on our face. In fact, we were told, I was told, that whenever I went and told the pastor that, I, that we were leaving, I said, I just can't make it anymore, man. I just, we can't do this. And he said, well, let me tell you something, Mark. He goes, you can either get a divorce here in Florida or get a divorce back in Texas. As long as you continue to let your wife run the house and all this stuff, that's where you're headed. Uh, wow. <laughs> that's horrible. So at that moment, of course, I get really, for those of y'all really know me, I'm, I'm pretty stubborn sometimes, right? Like a lot. And I know Pax, it's funny, Pax, isn't it? But I... Dude, I, I uh, at that moment in my life, I said, dude, you ain't going to speak that over my family. And I went to battle. But I did. I come, we come back. I remember the drive home. We were defeated when we pulled back into Amarillo, Texas, headed to Dumas to where my job had relocated me. And, um, but I knew through that that I was, <laughs> I was like, yes. And then, Boom, it was like there's hope, and then it all came crashing down again. And, and so we was in Dumas for a while, and, and uh, we got involved in the church down there, and, and the pastor was like, hey, tell us your story. And I'm like, I ain't telling you my story. Ain't no way. No way. And so 
He said, well, he, he was, I, I want to invite you somewhere. He was, have you ever heard of a walk to Emmaus? And I'm like, nope. Sounds like a cult to me. No, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and he's like, I want to sponsor you to go on this walk to Emmaus thing. And I'm like, well, I can't even get off work. And sure enough, we look at the calendar and oh my goodness, it falls on the days that I'm off work. And I'm like, really, really? So I went and, and I know everybody comes that goes on these walks, man, they have all these great stories, right? Mine was not that great. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay. And I don't want to offend anybody, but when I got there, the, the messages that were being read and then spoken, I'm like, whatever, God, I've preached that. I have spoken that word. I, I know. What are you trying to say to me? I was, but again, hurt. I was broken. And this pastor shows up, and, and, and I'd never been in his church, but he showed up, and, and he says, Mark, I, I believe that God's given me a word for you. I'm like, all right. And I had a lot of respect because I'd heard a lot of good about this pastor. I'm like, cool, I want it. let me hear it. And he said, Philippians 1.6 says this. For he who began a good work in you shall perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And again, one of those moments that I knew God was trying to get my attention. And man, I started going through that, and I was like, man, that is awesome. I again, broke down. You want to talk about it? And I just tears in my eyes. I cried that whole night. And, but what was crazy, guys, and, and from that moment on, man, things have been great. God would open up doors for me to go work or, or, or minister to other places. I mean, you understand, I told him I was done. Don't call me. Yeah, things kept on happening. Doors kept on opening. I kept on going. And then, uh, but the problem was I couldn't shake the guilt. I couldn't shake the shame. As I walked in it daily, I couldn't. I, I was scared to death that someone would find out about my story. And what they would think. I'm not going to lie to y'all. When Jeff approached me four weeks ago and said, I was scared to death. that You want me to share my story. But yet, I was like, I know, God, you've told me to share this story. But I got to tell you what happened. Last Easter, Jeff had got up here and he was, I don't know if y'all remember, the big tomb was over here. And he's rolling the stone away. And he made this comment. And he said, when, when, when Christ resurrected, you know, basically the resurrection power dwells in us, right? And he resurrected you from the tomb. But the problem is, is a lot of us leave some of ourselves in that tomb. A lot of us leave. We don't let God fully resurrect us. And man, that really, it wrecked me because I knew that was me. I knew, I knew that I'd sat here and and I had, I had sat here over and over again dealing with the shame and the guilt and what if people find out and this, that, and the other. And I sat there for that. And um, I, so I called Jeff up on the phone. I'm like, I, I got to talk to you. And so we came up here and we met and I forget where we were sitting at, but we were talking. And he said, the one thing that you need to do, Mark, is you need to go and look at yourself. Look yourself in the mirror and find that, that young man that you were because you're not the same person you were. But you've got to look him in the eyes and say, I forgive you. 
I forgive you. And man, I went home that night and I sat in front of my, uh, in, in the bathroom mirror, I just sat there and I looked myself in the eyes and right there in the mirror and I was like, I forgive you. And, and I just kept on over and over, I forgive you. I mean, through the tears, guys, I mean, I was bawling like a baby. And I'm like, I forgive you. And for the first time in 15 years, I no longer felt the guilt. And I no longer felt the shame. God had freed me once and for all for everything that I'd done. And for me walking in that, I knew he'd already forgiven me, but for the first time in my life, I felt freedom from it. Like, that is not who I am. That's who I was. But who I am today is I'm redeemed and I'm set free. And guys, there's freedom. I'm a walking proof that there's freedom. There's freedom. Um, Luke 7 36. I'm going to read this passage. It's a little bit long. 736 through 50. Um, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, Back when I was uh, 99, I think, Alabaster Box released. I was in high school. And um, there was this couple in the church that we were going to. And he looked like Jesus, so he played the part well. But they did like a live drama to this. And um, he set up as Jesus, and, um, and she played the woman. And they had a, uh, just, just a past of drug addiction and so many things that I was overwhelmed by at, the point, at that point. I was like, wow, Jesus, wow. Because Mark and I were kind of the same. You know, we thought we had to be perfect for Jesus to love us. And if we fell, well, that changed everything. And we would never be able to get it back. And, um, and here she was. You know, it's funny. Um, she, they came out of the world. They, they weren't used to church. And they got it. I mean, they got redemption. It didn't, it didn't take 15 years to go, oh, he forgave me. And so I just loved this. And I watched this story, and it was so real. Her tears were real um, as she did it. And, and, and she wiped her feet, his feet with her hair. And, and it's my biggest prayer for my life to look like that. Let my life be worshiped like that. So insert whatever. Um, it says a woman in that town who had lived a simple life. Just insert yourself in there. Whatever it is, it's, it's me, it's Mark, it's, it's us for sure. Um, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is. Y'all, that gets me, like, I can't even, it completely wrecks me that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. He said, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt to be forgiven. Um, you've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. 
You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And I can't tell you, our story is the reason we worship. It's one thing to read words on a page and know that he loves you. He loves me. It's another thing to feel his love. It's one thing for you to read on here that, man, you've been forgiven, but what you're really forgiven, and you get to know him as your forgiver, as your healer, as your redeemer, whatever it is you might need, it's incredible. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, John 1.10 says, he was in the world let me back up a little bit. I, I know we're almost out of time, but Pastor put it out there about three or four weeks ago. Um, pick up John. By the end of the year, if you'll just read a subtitle of John, you're going to know Jesus by the end of the year. And I've been telling everybody that. My pastor just said, and when people come up to me, I, you guys, I love the word. I love the word. If all I had to do all day was sit here, I would be fine. And people will tell me, I can't read the Bible. I don't understand it. I don't like it. I'm too busy. Oh, my goodness. So I'm telling them, my pastor said, just read John. All you have to do is subtitle. Well, I started, and I didn't even get to a subtitle. It is so much. I was doing like a paragraph. And so I'm reading, and John 1.10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. That's NIV. Message. Yet the world didn't even notice. King James Version, the world knew him not. Complete Jewish Bible, yet the world did not know him. Passion, yet the world was unaware. And so I go back to the jail cell. You guys, are we unaware? Are we sitting here Christians or not Christians? Either way, we know him or we don't. And he's standing outside our jail cell going, I'm here, I've already done it, this is done, come talk to me. Come be with me. Come, come receive, be, my receive my love and my forgiveness. And yet we are unaware. We, are, we didn't know him. We knew him not. We didn't even notice. We didn't recognize him. He's right there. He's right there. And guys, I can make a big promise to you. If you're not in your word, do the John thing. Do what pastor said, because I began doing it. I was like, well, I already read John, so I wasn't doing it. And then I was like, wait, after I told 15 people about it, I was like, I should be doing this. And so I am, and it doesn't matter how many times you read it. It's incredible. It's just incredible. Guys, I used to hate our story. The worst thing ever, um, ever was for somebody to uh, ask me, tell me your story. Um, the Welches, uh, back when we first met them, uh, we invited them out to dinner, and um, took Mark's truck, so my purse was in my car, and Mark walked out with his wallet. So uh, we asked the Welches to dinner, and we got all the way. We still owe you dinner. And we they got, bought us dinner. They bought us dinner because Thank we got all the way there, and we looked at them. Have y'all ever said it happened to you? I hope it never happens to you. It was awful. Um, <laughs> so we get inside, and I remember meeting them, though, and they were like, so tell us your story. And I'm like, crap. I don't want to know. You're not supposed to I say know, that. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Y'all can delete that Should later, that. okay? Wow. But, um, you know, and I hope I pulled it off. I, I hope I did. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, so and she anyway, doesn't normally speak that way. I really That's just, crazy. Y'all, I used to get a bar of soap in my mouth for that word. Um, anyway, 
so sorry. But really, guys, I, I, this was just, what, three, four years ago. And since then, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, but all of this, all of the details, because the details were what I couldn't handle. I could not handle it. Stop it. Um, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle the details. I couldn't, I, I could forgive and I could love and that was easy, but there were details. There were places and people and things and movies and songs and smells and colors and that I couldn't get over. And God knows that about me. And in the past few years, has begun to redeem the details for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever seen those YouTube videos where somebody gets given, a, they're colorblind their whole life, and they get given these goggles. Have you seen those? Um, it's, you need to go look it up, it's amazing. And I remember watching this one, and this older man is standing there, and he puts them on, and he just bawls, he just starts bawling, and he takes them off, he's wiping tears from his face, and he says, is this how you've always seen this? Is this what a flower has always looked like to you? And I remember the moment, like I can remember beginning to think like Jesus took these goggles and he was like, here, put these on. (laughs) And I was like, oh my goodness, is this what it's always looked like to you? Because I saw devastation and just gross. And I don't want to tell the Welches our story and (laughs) all of this. And here I was, finally seeing our story from this, and I know 100% that it doesn't matter what you're going through, if you've got a Paxton story or, or a Mark and Heather story or, or your own story, they're completely different. But I promise you, if you will just start, even if it's in John, and spend some time with him, he's gonna pick those colorblind glasses up and he's gonna put them on you and he's gonna let you see you. The more I fall in love with the word, the more I realize what his voice sounds like, but also what the father of lies voice sounds like. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people believe the enemy's voice and think that it's them or think it's God. It's not. Mm-hmm. Read John and you're going to know in a very quick hurry what your father's voice sounds like. Yeah, yeah Heather... Um there's there's a song that 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 Paxton's been singing here. Death was arrested. Amen. When death was arrested, in my life began. <sighs> Guys, there's freedom. You want to talk about? I don't know what your story, what your story is. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know. If there's things in your life, maybe that's, that's been done in your past that maybe you're ashamed of, maybe that you're, um, maybe like me, I couldn't look people in the eyes. I was scared to death. But there's freedom. And it's so amazing. It's amazing that I can walk through and I can see you guys. And look, yes, that's who I was. But God redeemed my life from the pit. And he can redeem your life from the pit as well. And so I guess the worship team is going to come back up. And this morning, as they're coming up, I just want to, I want to challenge you that if you're in here this morning and you haven't experienced that freedom, that's what this altar here is for. Our ministry teams, as they come up and get ready to, to pray with people, 
I'm going to ask you that if this is you, if you can relate in any way to our story, to a Paxton story, there's freedom in the place. It says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so this morning, I just want everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes. But if you're struggling this morning, if you're struggling to find that freedom, if you're struggling to um, receive the love of the Father, because he doesn't look at you as a failure. He doesn't look at you. He's not the one putting the shame and the guilt on you. He wants to set you free. And so if that's you this morning, as the worship team begins to play, just come down. Let us pray with you. Let us... Let let God just give you that big bear hug so you can feel the freedom once and for all. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 